In the corner of a first-class smoking carriage, Mr. Justice Wargrave, lately retired from the bench, puffed on a cigar and ran an interested eye through the political news in the Times. Hello, and welcome back to Of the Philosophy of Everything. Today, we're going to be discussing stories and the art of storytelling, one of my personal favorite topics to discuss. I hope you guys enjoy this one. So where to begin? Well, let's begin with what I just read to you. I just read to you the opening portions of one of the greatest works of fiction ever written, as deemed by how well it's sold, and that is... And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie, who was also famous for the murder on the Orient Express, as well as the murder of Roger Ackroyd and many other famous works of mystery, as well as thrillers, and she pretty much created the genre that is now called the whodunit, all is one word, because her famous settings, detective in a secluded house, Police can't get access, and they have to discover who committed the murder, who committed the crime, the theft, whatever it may be. She uh, essentially created that genre. So we're going to look at the opening parts of two other works of fiction that are extremely different genres. And we're going to compare and contrast what they do um, and why the opening portions of any work of fiction is possibly the most important. So I'm reading now from a book by Michael Crichton called Sphere. For a long time, the horizon had been a monotonous flat blue line, separating the Pacific Ocean from the sky. The Navy helicopter raced forward, flying low near the waves. Despite the noise and the thumping vibrations of the blades, Norman Johnson fell asleep. He was tired. He had been traveling on various military aircraft for more than 14 hours. It was not the kind of thing a 53-year-old professor of psychology was used to. So that was the opening paragraph of Sphere by Michael Crichton. Uh, I highly recommend that book. It is a very good book. So real quick, I'm going to read one more opening portion from another work of fiction, and then we'll discuss beginnings and why they are so important. This book is largely concerned with hobbits, and from its pages, a reader may discover much of their character and a little of their history. Further information will also be found in the selection from the Red Book of Westmarch, which has already been published under the title of The Hobbit. The story was derived from the earlier chapters of the Red Book, composed by Bilbo himself. That was the prologue, and then the opening lines of the chapter begin, When Mr. Bilbo Baggins of Bag End announced that he would shortly be celebrating his 111st birthday with a party of special magnificence. There was much talk and excitement in Hobbiton. So, when discussing stories, how important is the opening paragraph, the opening sentence, the opening chapter? Well, in short, it is largely the most important part of your story because if it doesn't grab a hold of people's attention, if it doesn't grab a hold of your audience, 
well, then no one's going to read it. One of the best descriptions of this comes from Brandon Sanderson, a very famous fantasy writer. And he says, uh, I'm going to butcher his quote, but it's not really a quote, it's more of an idea. If you have someone who's been playing piano for years, um, but is not an expert, not a professional, and then you have a professional, how long does it take for you to tell the difference? Not very long. You can tell when there's a master on the stage, on the bench, playing the piano, versus someone who's an amateur and, and knows what he's doing, but is nowhere near the same level. It only takes a couple of seconds at most for you to distinguish which one would be which. Even if the amateur knows what he's doing a little bit, has been playing for five, six years, when you have someone who is a master, it doesn't take long. Uh, let alone if someone had only been playing the piano for two or three weeks or one year. There's an even bigger difference that you can tell very easily. And so it is with the beginning of stories. When you're writing, you have to know your audience. You have to know what it is or who it is that you're writing to. So when you have a mystery, you begin with one thing. When you have a fantasy, you begin with another. And when you have a thriller, you have another. All three have very different beginnings, but also largely the same. If we break down each beginning, we see a couple of key features that begin with, with all of them. We have a character being introduced, who is obviously going to be important to the story. When it comes to Chief Justice Wargrave, he was uh, an incredibly important character throughout the whole story. I don't want to spoil any of the stories, and but just know that he is a crucial part of the story. And then we have the second one, we have... We have Professor Norman Johnson from the book Sphere, and then we have Bilbo Baggins from The Lord of the Rings. And also, it is quite genius what J.R.R. Tolkien did in the beginning of The Lord of the Rings, calling back to his previous work, The Hobbit. But regardless, uh, Bilbo Baggins is a huge part of Lord of the Rings as well as The Hobbit. So, each story begins by introducing the character. That is arguably one of the most important parts that any story can do. Very rarely does one have a story that doesn't begin with a character, that begins with some sort of setting. It, it, it can be done, but it is much harder to do, especially in this modern era that we have where all stories are, are linked to character. Character is the most important part of stories nowadays. Without character growth, people get disinterested in stories very easily, which is why classical science fiction is dying out, because it was more based on theme and the environment that the characters are in, not so much the characters themselves. So any good story anymore begins with the introduction of a character. Character has always been an important part of stories because character is how people bond with the stories. But in a lot of more classical literature, it's more about the story versus the character. But in more modern uh, tales and adventures and stories and novels and books and stories, yada, 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 it has been much more important for readers to grasp the character rather than the story.
the reason for this being the audience themselves, the younger generation doesn't have the patience so much to grasp these large stories, these large concepts and ideas. They could watch a movie or a TV show or play on their phones, but when they have an emotional connection, when they can relate with the characters, then they become more invested. The people these days, they don't invest in stories, they invest in characters, which is widely reflected in young adult fiction, but also adult fiction as well. Um, the characters are much more complicated, much more time is spent relaying the characters' emotions. Now this plays into, very importantly, the introduction of a character at the beginning of a story. If a character is introduced, typically people won't be nearly as involved, engaged. They won't have as much of a desire to continue the story if they can't relate with the character to some capacity, which is why in books like Brandon Sanderson, since I've mentioned him before, his characters very clearly suffer from mental illness. And this is similar to what I discussed before on the interpretation of myths. The same can be said for stories. Any story, given enough time, given enough settings, enough additions, can become a mythology. But a separate story can't really be that. There's a lot of different things and aspects, dimensions, that go into the creation of mythology. But a lot that can be interpreted, interpreted from mythology can also be interpreted from stories at large. One of them is the status of any given culture. All stories convey something important. They convey a meaning, a lesson. That's part of what makes them a story. A story with no heart, with no soul, isn't a story. It's a textbook. So the beginning of a story then becomes so important because it is an introduction into the character. If you noticed, in all three, you got some sort of inclination as to who this character was, who it was going to be, what was important. When it came to Bilbo, you could expect some adventure because he'd already been on an adventure with Professor Norman while it immediately introduced him to the fact that for some reason he's able to sleep even though he's flying low through the ocean on a helicopter that's in the military and he's already been transferred numerous times and obviously it, uh, it says that he is a professor of psychology so you know a little bit about him and then you get some sense of his personality through the very beginning as well as this idea that well something crazy is happening because it's a psychology professor on a helicopter flying out to sea with the Navy. And then with Bilbo, he's already been on these other adventures, and he's saying, listen, in this book, you're going to understand about this race of hobbits. And if you hadn't read The Hobbit before, you're like, well, what's a hobbit? And so it creates this mystery, and then it goes on in the first chapter to talk about his 111th birthday. And, and then there were none, where we get this character, this chief justice who had just retired from the bench, and he's on a train where is he going? He's smoking a pipe. He's reading the political times. 
So you kind of get a sense of that this is a shrewd guy just all around. So in each of these three different genres at different written in very different time periods, you're getting a sense of the character, but also a sense of what kind of story this is going to be, which is the second crucial part of the beginning of a story. What kind of story am I about to invest in? Is it worth it? What is happening? People these days more than ever need to be grabbed immediately by what's happening. So your opening lines are crucially, crucially important. With this comes a significant idea when it comes to information, um, more specifically in cinema and movies. Um, it's kind of hard not to do when it comes to novels, but it can be done. You just have to be good at writing dialogue. Um, and that is the information dump. Nothing bothers me more than when you have a voiceover at the beginning of a movie and it's explaining all the history. Uh, it drives me bananas when you watch Star Wars and those words come over. I know it's supposed to be some amazing part of the cult that is the followers of Star Wars, but for me, can't stand it. Have some dialogue, build some character. There you go, right there, I want character built. Um, but they just provide this information. It's like, here it is, ta-da, drives me crazy. So I don't like voiceovers. I don't like these information dumps in movies. Uh, I don't like the information dumps in books. Give me some dialogue. Because it also is a mark of a skilled author when you can convey all this extremely important and prevalent information through a conversation that seems normal. Uh, it is very, very important to be able to do that. So that is the show-don't-tell principle, which is one of the foundational pillars of writing. Show people, don't tell people. Um, important for writing novels as well as movies so show that this person can do this thing don't just tell them you can say all you want he was the most amazing fighter of all time but you never show him fighting then well i have no investment in this story and in this character so there is some pillars to writing those are some key philosophies if you would of the genre of fiction of writing of telling and communicating stories. But why are stories important? Well, I already highlighted in the first episode that stories are interpretations of society as done by artists and authors and writers. So they, they give you a, a deeper sense into the heart of a society. But there are also some actual health benefits to reading. Um, reading fiction, in particular, can help with empathy building, um, especially when people identify with these characters that actually has shown to actually help people build empathy, which is kind of neat if you ask me. I actually wrote a report and an essay on this topic. So I clearly enjoy this uh, discussion very much. 
Uh, and we'll get into the history of fiction on a later episode, possibly, because I wrote another essay on that as well. Um, regardless, there are other benefits associated with reading fiction, such as memory retention. You need to think about the characters, bring them back to memory, recall who said what. So it actually helps you build memory better. Uh, it increases your vocabulary significantly. And it actually can help even combat Alzheimer's and a lot of diseases associated with memory loss and uh, failure of the mind. It can help with a lot of those things. There's also an, another amazing statistic on literacy itself. Uh, literacy can um, help create and reduce recidivism, not create recidivism, reduce recidivism, which is the reoffense of criminals. Most criminals are um, functionally illiterate. And so what does functionally illiterate mean? Uh, it means you can kind of get by, you can read signs, you can read at about the fourth or third grade level actually is what the actual uh, statistic is that comes to uh, illiteracy with inmates. So illiteracy is actually something that can be a determinant factor in whether or not a child will end up in jail and or prison. I believe if you are illiterate by the fourth grade or the sixth grade, um, it's a pretty good indicator that you might be on a delinquent path and you could end up um, incarcerated, which is also a crazy statistic. Um, so the ability to then give inmates literacy or teach them how to read will reduce the rate of recidivism from approximately 70%. So people who are illiterate when they leave jail are 70% chance of returning to prison. If they get literacy help, they have a 16% chance of returning to prison, which is quite amazing if you ask me. The importance of literacy cannot be overstated. Um, not only does it have all of these medical benefits, but it can also help people stay out of prison, which is very neat. Um, some st other statistics that I can just throw at you guys and hope you can understand the importance of reading. The average American in their lifetime should be able to read about 700 books, but they only read about 200 books in a lifetime, which is rather sad. Um, the average person spends about 16 minutes a day reading in general, all said and done, not just sitting down opening a book for 16 minutes that includes texts, all of that stuff, um, which is rather a depressing number. Contrary to that, they spend about four and a half hours a day on their phone. I mean, that actually is a statistic from 2016, so it's actually much higher than that now, um, but sticking with the, the four and a half hours, that ends up being five years and four months over a lifetime in which you could like run 10,000 plus marathons, climb up and down Mount Everest 32 times, fly to the moon and back 10 times, all of these crazy things that you could do with the time wasted on your phone. Contrarily, if you invest in literature and reading, you can help your brain develop, you can expand your vocabulary, help reduce 
um, symptoms of Alzheimer's and these mentally degrading diseases, you can learn about culture, about society, when you invest in literature, in fiction specifically. You can learn so much about the culture around you, about other people, about storytelling, about this beautiful process of conveying information to readers, this sort of telepathy of what one person's envisioning and another person's envisioning can be totally different but yet exactly the same as what you're envisioning. If you can let yourself get enraptured in these stories, you have the ability to kind of transcend the world that you're in now, which is a beautiful part of storytelling is taking people to a place that can help them with their stress and anxiety and you can help alleviate people's pains to some degree by taking them to another place so that they can live a life vicariously of other people you can give them this gift when you write and you can receive this gift when you read what other people have to say you can gain outside opinions on things that you would never thought of before and of course some of them are going to be junk opinions <laughs> but that just comes with the territory not everything can be great but you have a chance to there's a famous saying, I, I don't remember who said it at the moment, but I think it might be George R. R. Martin, someone who never reads, has only lived one life, but a person who reads or has lived a thousand lives, which is so true. It's, it's this opportunity to have these experiences that you never really had. It's like a state of constantly dreaming, which everyone loves to go to sleep to have these amazing dreams, and you don't even have to go to sleep. All you have to do is pick up a book and read it. So obviously, I feel very passionate about this for many reasons because I myself am a writer. I love to write. I'm working on a story now that will hopefully be done by the end of the month. Um, I love the process. I love being able to give this gift to people that is a, a passion of mine to enthrall somebody with a story that I created, a sort of magic, a gift to them to transcend the mundaneness of life, which is another reason why I started this podcast. Uh, hopefully people can be educated, but also I hope that I can entertain people with these ideas and expand minds and make people consider things that they never thought of before. Another crucial part of storytelling is uh, if someone doesn't gain an outside opinion or view an outside of opinion, consider something that they'd never considered before, well, then the story was kind of pointless. If you end a story and you have an answer, not a question, then the story wasn't a good story, if you ask me. That is all that I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let me know. Follow me on Instagram at jcoots03 or at of the philosophy of everything. I have two accounts. One of them is obviously used for the podcast. The other one is my personal account. Um, follow me there. Let me know. I'm, my email should be listed. Um, shoot me an email if you thought it was garbage. Let me know. If you thought it was great, let me know. And uh, once again, thank you for joining of the philosophy of everything.